Welcome to the Moses Lake Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. MLBC is led by Pastor Dennis Fountain and exists to help real people going through real life experience real change through our incredible God. We hope this message will be an encouragement to you, and we'd love to hear how God used it in your life. We're going to continue in the Gospel of Luke. And uh, how many of you can remember when you were a kid turning a radio dial? How many of you remember this? Okay, now listen, if you are 27 years old or younger, you just have to go with me on a journey this morning, okay? Uh, I remember traveling down the highway, down the freeway with my dad, sitting in the car. My dad would be driving, and my dad would say to me, hey, turn the radio on. i say, okay. You know, you reach over, you press that power button or the knob, push that knob in, turns it on, and then all you hear is, <laughs> how many remember that white noise sound? You hear that, and your dad or your mom, they say, find a station. And so as meticulous as you can, you reach to that radio dial and you begin turning as slowly as possible. You know what I'm talking about? Just you turn it as slowly as you can and then you, you, have, to, you have to tune in to the perfect like station, that perfect channel, or else you're listening to country music and classical all at the same time. I don't know if there's anything worse. Or you're hearing the local Spanish station with the local preacher, and you're thinking, am I, am I in an interpretive service? Like, what's going on? You have, to, you have to dial in to that perfect station. Some of you know that. Man, what you're tuning into, it matters. Maybe the, maybe the thought you would connect with is this one. <clears throat> if you grew up in like the 70s, 80s, or early 90s, there was this thing called the TV antenna. Now, again, those of you that are 27 or younger, like just go on the journey because now you have this and you can like open it up and like log into anything. You don't know. You don't know of the fun that it was to miss out on half of a movie while your family enjoyed it and you could hold the antenna. You were, how many of you were the designated antenna holder in your home? Man, your dad, my, my dad, he'd say, oh, you know, we'd be watching a football game, and I love football. And my dad would be like, oh, man, it's, you know, he'd, we would say, oh, it's snowing today because of the white, you know, on it. He'd go fix the snow. I, okay, so I'd get up, and many of you know this, and if you don't, here's what you do. You just have to get up. You'd go to the TV, just imagine a big TV. It's not a smart TV. These are dumb TVs. And you have to... Hold that antenna and you'd start moving it. You have the bunny ears or sometimes you just have the long one and you're aiming it. And those bunny ears, you'd pull them apart, put them together. You'd crouch down and you'd move around till your dad just went, stop. And he'd go right there. And, you, and you'd think, okay, how can I get the TV antenna back on top of the TV without, so you move slowly. He'd go, no, 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 go back. And he'd go, okay, Perfect. Dad, I'm still standing here. I know, I know. Listen, there's only two minutes left in the fourth quarter. <laughs> and so then you'd peer out. Man, I, I spent half my childhood watching football and movies like this, you know. Man, why, why do I bring that up this morning? Because the idea with an antenna, the idea with a day, dial turn radio, you had to tune into the right station. 
For the younger generation, we have this great thing now. It's called a cell phone. And you can go in and you have apps. The, the app Spotify. It's everybody's music app or maybe you use, maybe you're still ancient and you use uh, Pandora um, or maybe I, Apple Music or something. You know, you know, for those of you that are in that stage, you know what you do every now and then? You go through and you, you pick, you tap on the, the song you wanna hear. Don't you hate it when you tap on the song you wanna hear and what you get is an advertisement? And you get a minute and a half of advertisements and you're just like, why don't I pay, pay for premium, you know, so I don't have to skip these, so I can skip these. Now for the older generation, you're like, I got no clue. Okay, for you, think about the antenna. For the younger generation, think about clicking on the right song, tapping on the right, what you want to hear. What are you doing? You're tuning in. You're tuning in, you're turning to the, the station you want to hear. You are tuning in to the song that you want to hear. And I just wanna tell you this morning that in life, every single one of us, we choose each day who we are tuning into. You wake up in the morning and you choose what is the dial of your radio station dialed into? What are you tuned into today? And this morning, what I would like us to do is to jump back in our study in Luke chapter number nine. And I'm going to, I'm going to give you a phrase that we will end with at the end of the message as well. And that is just this simple thought. The number one influence, the number one station that you should tune into in your life every day is the person of Jesus Christ. What are you saying, pastor? The main influence in your life should be Jesus. There's a lot of other good influences. There's a lot of other good stations to tune into, but the main influence, the main station should be Jesus. That's the thought we're gonna see this morning as we go to Luke chapter number nine. So I invite you, if you would, to stand with me. Luke chapter nine, beginning in verse number 27. We're gonna read the story, then I'll tell you the story, and then I'll give you this morning four takeaways that we can walk away with today as we look at Luke chapter nine and the idea of Jesus being our main influence. Luke nine, verse number 27. Jesus speaking to his disciples, he says this, but I tell you a truth. There are, gonna, there are some who are standing here which shall not see death until they see the kingdom of God. And it came to pass about eight days after these sayings, he, Jesus, he took Peter and John and James and he went up into a mountain to pray. And as he, as Jesus was praying, the fashion of his countenance was altered. His appearance completely changed. His raiment, his clothes went white and glycerine or glistening. And behold, there talked with him two men. And those two men were Moses and Elias, or Elijah. And they appeared in glory. And they spake of his decease, which he should accomplish at Jerusalem. But Peter and James and John, they that were with him, they were heavy with sleep. And when they were awake, they saw his glory. And the two men that stood with him. And it came to pass, as those two men were departing from him, Peter said to Jesus, Master, it is good for us to be here. Let us make three tabernacles. One for thee, and one for Moses, and one for Elijah. Peter said this, not knowing what he said. And while he thus spake, as he was speaking, there came a cloud that overshadowed, engulfed them, this thick 
fog, this thick cloud. It overshadowed them and they feared as they entered into the cloud. And there came a voice out of the cloud saying, this is my beloved son, hear him. And when the voice was passed, Jesus was found alone. And they kept it close and told no man in those days any of those things which they had seen. Today, the title of the message is just tune in, encouraging you and I this week to tune in to the right influence. And it's a challenge that I've been helped with, and I hope that it helps you as well. So let's pray, and then we'll get that challenge from the Lord today. With our heads bowed and our eyes closed, would you just in the quietness of the moment in your own heart, would you pray and ask the Lord to speak to you today? And then would you make a decision? God, if you speak to me, I am listening to you today. Dear Lord, we just wanna come before you and we thank you for your love and your care for us. We thank you, God, for how you desire to work in us today. Lord, through the time of encouragement with each other. Father, through uh, the greeting before and afterward through the singing, through giving, through the preaching of your word. God, we know you want to use every part of this service to help us see you, worship you, and hear from you. And so, God, I pray that this preaching time would be no different, that you would work in each of our lives. I love you. I humble myself before you and ask you to speak to me and through me once again. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You go ahead and be seated. So the passage that we come to in Luke chapter number nine, it's probably if you've been in church, you've heard this passage, you've heard this uh, story. It's the story called the Mount of Transfiguration. But what we need to know today, and, and I, I, here's what I wanna do. I kind of wanna invite you on a journey just in, we say it often, in the context. I want you to get the story and wrap your mind around what is taking place? And then we'll, and then be right before we end, we'll get our four takeaways that we can have. So really, if I can say it this way, the introduction of the message is the longest part, all right? So the introduction, you're gonna be thinking like, pastor, like, give us the point. I'll get there. I promise I'll get there, but you gotta, it, it, it doesn't have as much impact if you don't know what's going on, okay? So real quick, the book of Luke, written by Luke to Theophilus, Theophilus was a ruler. Luke is trying to prove who Jesus is. He writes about the deity of Jesus, that he was God's son, his heritage. He writes about the words and the work of Jesus, the miracles that Jesus did, the raising of the dead, the healing of the lame, the healing of the blind. Luke writes about all of that. Now, Jesus, during his earthly ministry, if you go, you can kind of learn that uh, there was kind of sections of his earthly ministry. So his early earthly ministry, Jesus was just kind of, if I could say it this way, just kind of warming up the water, so to speak. You know, there's the miracle of water turned to wine, warming up the water. That, anyway, uh, he, Jesus was just kind of setting the tone, if you will, and he was kind of introducing himself to people. And so there were small gatherings, small callings. And then, then Jesus began to teach some very drastically different lessons, right? So, I mean, they, uh, you remember early on, they said like, who, 
Who can say such things like this? And they were baffled at his words. And the Sermon on the Mount, they were astonished that he spoke as one having authority. Matthew chapter seven says that. And so then he began to do like extreme miracles. We're talking like a few weeks ago, how he raised Jairus' daughter from the dead and how the woman with the issue of blood just touches the hem of of his garment and is healed. And we're we're talking about the miracles of like literal life-changing experiences for people. The blind can see, the, the lame can walk, the deaf can hear, the possessed are set free. All of these things, Jesus began doing that. Well, with the apostles, and stay with me, with the apostles, Jesus was teaching them different lessons all along the way on this journey. Okay, so when you come to Matthew chapter number nine, and really chapter eight, it says that Jesus, from this day forward, now we're about a year and a half, two years into the ministry of Christ, the earthly ministry, It says that Jesus began to proclaim to the apostles his death and resurrection. Okay, let me read it for you from Matthew 16. It says this, that from that time forth began Jesus to show unto his disciples how he must go to Jerusalem, suffer many things of the elders and chief priests and scribes, and then be killed and then be raised again the third day. Okay, so Jesus is now teaching, I'm going to die and then I'm going to raise from the dead. Pause. Here we are in the 21st century. You know the story. Right, We know Jesus did, was crucified, buried, and rose again. Okay, if you put yourself, though, in the mindset of a Hebrew that believed Jesus was the Messiah at that time, here's what was going through their mind. And still to this day, if you go to Israel, and I have friends who are devout Jews, and they will say this to me, Dennis, when the Messiah comes, Jesus was not the Messiah because when the Messiah comes, he will establish the kingdom. That's what the Jew, that's why they believe Jesus wasn't the Messiah because he didn't establish a new kingdom. The apostles thought that too. The Messiah is gonna come. He's going to establish a new kingdom. Okay, put your mind in the mind of an apostle. Jesus is saying, I'm the Messiah, but I'm gonna die and then raise again. The apostles begin to reject that. Peter actually says to him, like, no, Lord, these things aren't so. This isn't going to happen. Why why were they saying this isn't going to happen? Because in their mind, you can't be the Messiah and not set up the kingdom. Okay, all of that has just taken place. Then Jesus says to all of his apostles, we just read the one verse in verse 27 of chapter 9, Jesus says to them, there are some of you that are here that you will not die until you get a glimpse of the kingdom, of the things to come, the glory to come. Okay, all of that has just happened in the last few weeks. Jesus has announced he's gonna die. The apostles are like, no, that's not gonna happen. Jesus says, well, some of you will get a glimpse of the kingdom, so just understand. And they didn't understand. They were trying to wrap their minds around how is he the Messiah, but he's gonna die and go off the scene. Like this just doesn't make sense. That brings us to our passage today. 
eight days have gone by. And what do we read? Eight days go by. Jesus comes to Peter, James, and John. And he says to them, hey guys, let's do this. Let's go to the mountain and we're gonna pray. Now remember, they're still up north. They're near Capernaum. They're up near the northern edge of the Sea of Galilee. And Jesus says, let's go up to this mountain. We're just gonna go up. I just wanna spend some time praying. Now remember, (laughs) oh, it's just so good. Just stay with me on the journey. Remember that Jesus is asking them to go pray. Okay, remember that. Remember that they are curious as to Jesus dying and the kingdom and like all these things. Like they have all these questions raging in their head. Keep that in your mind. So Jesus says, let's go to the mountain and we're gonna pray. They get up on top of the mountain. Jesus begins to pray. And what do we read the other apostles do? They fall asleep. (laughs) Peter, James, and John. They're like, yeah. I'm praying. (laughs) Like some of us in the morning. Yeah, some of you have full intention of praying while you stay in bed. It never works. How many of you know that this morning? You try to pray when you're in bed, you just fall asleep. That's them. They're they're there. They're comfortable. They, They fall asleep. Well, in that moment, listen, oh, don't miss it. In that moment, Moses and Elijah appear. Jesus transfigures. He changes appearance and he takes on his glorified state. How he will be seen and viewed in heaven, Jesus takes that on in bodily form in that moment. All the while, all the while, Peter, James, and John are just asleep. Verse 31, it tells us what Moses, Elijah, and Jesus talk about. Now, remember, stay with this. Verse 31, they appeared in glory and they spake of his decease, which he should accomplish at Jerusalem. Okay, pause. What are they talking about? They're talking about Jesus's crucifixion. They're speaking of his purpose. Okay. In that moment, they're having this conversation. Moses, Elijah, Jesus talking about the things to come. And the apostles, they wake up, right? They wake up, they see this. And Peter, Peter jumps in and Peter says to Jesus, oh, I mean, they wake up, they see the end of the conversation. I don't know if they're like shaking hands. I don't know if they're giving a hug. I don't know if they're a newer generation. Knuckles, I don't know. I don't know what's going on. I know that Moses, Elijah, and Jesus are there. Peter, James, and John are there. Moses and Elijah are about to leave. Peter, James, and John wake up. Peter says, it is good for us to be here. Let's build a tabernacle for Moses, Elijah, and Jesus. Okay, now in our 21st century Christianity, we're like, well, what is that? What does that mean, build a tabernacle? Okay, to build a tabernacle, here's what Peter was saying. Um, It associates with the Jewish Feast of Tabernacles. Okay, the Jewish Feast of Tabernacles is a celebration of remembrance, remembering times through the wilderness, living in tents, God's provision. But they, listen, the Jews, one of the reasons they do the Feast of the Tabernacles is to almost stay in that moment 
We remember the goodness of God during those days. Let's commemorate it by having a Feast of Tabernacles. And still to this day, uh, people do this. They go out and on, uh, during the Feast of Tabernacles, they go out, they pitch a tent, they stay in that for a few days and you can go on, you can read all about that. That's what Peter is doing in this moment. What's he doing? He's going, Jesus, let's stay in the glorified state now. Let's not go back down. You don't need to go to the cross. Let's just, let's just celebrate it now. That's one of the things he's doing. Second thing he's doing. Hey, Jesus, I want to honor Moses, Elijah, and you all on the same playing field. Hey, Jesus, it is good for us to be here. You're here. Elijah, who represented the prophets, he's here. Moses, who represents the law, he's here. Jesus, I think we should honor all three of you. Let's put you on an equal playing field. That's, that's, keep it, keep, keep that in your mind. Because what happens next? A thick cloud covers and a voice says, this is my beloved son. Two words, hear him. The cloud goes away and the Bible says that Jesus is standing there alone. It's as if God said, uh, Peter, you missed it. Peter, you want to put Moses, Elijah, and Jesus on the same playing field? Peter, those are good guys, but no, no, no. This is my son. Hear him. Hey, Peter, the main influence in your life is my son. Hey, Peter, the main voice you listen to is my son. Hey, Peter, you want to honor somebody? Honor Jesus alone. So... <clears throat> We hear this story, and I think to myself, that would have been awesome to be there. <laughs> I mean, think about it. How many of you'd say, Pastor, without a doubt, not knowing anything else, I would want to have been there? Okay, my hands up, both hands up. I got legs up, I'm jumping. That'd been so cool. What an opportunity, what an experience. But I don't want us to get too caught up in what took place because I want us to catch some lessons. So what are some lessons that we can learn from this passage as we just reflect on it? And then what is this idea of tuning into the right station? So let me give you this. I want to give you two lessons and then two thoughts about tuning into the right station. First lesson that I think of when I come to this passage and as I studied is this. We miss opportunities when we get too comfortable. We miss opportunity when we get too comfortable. Okay, the apostles are up there and they were with him. What does the Bible say they were in verse 32? They were heavy with sleep. Okay, now remember I told you, let's get context and remember some things. What had Jesus invited them to do? To go to the mountain, pray. If you know the Bible, if you've studied it, what had the apostles recently been asking Jesus to teach them to do? Pray. Okay, stay with me. This, this is really cool, so you gotta catch it. The apostles had just heard that Jesus was going to go to the cross and die. They had heard about his decease and they had a lot of questions. What were Moses, Elijah, and Jesus talking about while they were sleeping? the decease. Do you think that maybe 
Some of their questions could have been answered if they would have stayed awake. Do you think that maybe they would have learned a little bit about prayer had they stayed awake? But you see, what they did instead is they got comfortable. They got comfortable in the moment. They got comfortable in that, I don't know if it was a really cushy looking rock. I don't know if there was a little bed of hay or weed or something. I don't know what happened. I do know that they got tired, they got comfortable, and they missed opportunity because of their comfort. And I know this is not a main thrust from this passage. This is not the whole point that Jesus is trying to get across by giving us these verses. But I do think it's a lesson we can learn. And I would say that this is the lesson in the Christian life Comfort can often be the biggest hindrance to experiencing what God has for us. Hey, in your Christian life, while it may not actually be sleep, I will say that there are times in your life and in my life that the Lord has something for you, but you get comfortable and you miss out. Our comfort comes by way of staying in the same spiritual routines Our comfort comes by way of laziness. Our comfort comes by way of not engaging our faith or telling others about our faith. Our comfort is not speaking up and speaking out when the Lord gives us an opportunity. Our comfort is not allowing others to challenge us or sharpen us or encourage us. Our comfort often causes us to miss out on some of the greatest things and experiences that we could have in life. And here's Peter, James, and John Their comfort caused them to miss an opportunity of growth and of questions getting answered. Can I ask you a question this morning? Where in your Christian life have you gotten comfortable and stopped growing? Maybe it's in giving. Maybe it's in outreach. Maybe it's in your own personal walk with the Lord. Maybe it's in your involvement, your faithfulness to God and his people. Maybe it's in serving. Maybe it's in your attitude or your home. I don't know what it is. I just know that in, listen, I'm preaching to Dennis Fountain this morning. These are thoughts that came out to me that I was like, ooh, convicted. Because Dennis Fountain's comfort level sometimes causes Dennis Fountain to miss out on some things that God has for him. And I don't know about you, but I don't want to miss the opportunities God puts before me. So first takeaway, first takeaway is this thought that oftentimes we miss opportunity when we get too comfortable. Second lesson, again, this isn't the main thrust of the passage, just a lesson we can learn. It's this, thinking before you speak is still the right thing to do. Uh, You say, pastor, where is this in there? All right, go to verse number 33. And it came to pass as they departed from him, Peter said unto Jesus, Master, it is good for us to be here. I think that's how he said it too. And let us build three tabernacles, one for you or one for Moses, one for Elias, one for you. And notice the last five words. He said this not knowing what he said. Uh, we say it often at church, and many of you know this. Um, isn't it interesting how much we can connect with Peter? Now, wives, listen, wives, do not tap your husband. But how many in here can be open mouth, insert foot? Yeah. Man, all of us can do that. Now, listen, again, this is not necessarily the main thrust of the passage. It's just a simple principle. <laughs> okay. Uh, this is fun. 
Um, if you study the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, uh, of course, they all write with uh, their personality. The Lord uses their personality to get things across to us. And they all write from kind of different angles. Matthew, uh, his angle, he, of course, traveled with Jesus. Matthew is very eccentric. Uh, if you know the personality of Matthew, he's all over the place. If you ever go read the book of Matthew, the point of the book of Matthew is trying to prove that Jesus is the Son of God. He is the Holy One. Um, but Matthew, have you ever been reading the book of Matthew and you're like, hold up, Jesus was just born. How did we get to the feeding of the 5,000? <laughs> like Jesus was just born, where, who's preaching the Sermon on the Mount? Like, is he, I thought he was 12. Like Matthew's like, oh, that was cool. And oh, that was cool. And he writes. Well, Matthew, he lays it all out and he wrote from his own perception, his own travels. He traveled with Jesus. Mark was not an apostle. Luke was not an apostle. They wrote because of the influence of apostles. John writes, teaching about Jesus and about him uh, being the word that came flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory. The glory is of the only begotten. And he writes about uh, Jesus being the savior for all of the world. But Mark and Luke, they kind of take a little different angle. If you go and read the 16 chapters of the book of Mark, uh, you will find that Mark was actually influenced by Peter in writing, his, in writing his gospel. Barnabas, Paul, and Peter would have influenced Mark. Well, if you go and you read the book of Mark, do you want to know what is not said a lot in the book of Mark? Negative things about Peter. Peter influenced Mark. So I imagine Peter's like, hey, Mark, yeah, this happened, but leave that out. Leave that out. <laughs> no, nah, no, nah, yeah, listen, I... I shouldn't, hey, I know now, I shouldn't have said it. Mark, I know, Mark, I know. Mark's like, Peter, we should put it. No, 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 we shouldn't, no. Peter, please, Mark, please, don't put it in there. So if you go and you read Mark's recollection of this, it actually says this about Peter. It says that he said, let us build these three tabernacles because in the moment he didn't know what to say. So it's kind of like a, oh, you know, I just, I was just trying to do something. Luke, go read the book of Luke. You know who Luke's always like, no, 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 I gotta tell you what really happened. <laughs> Luke writes about Peter all the time. He's like, yeah, Peter, open mouth, insert foot. Next chapter, yep, Peter looked like an idiot. Next chapter, yeah, Peter did this. It's, it's actually, it's kind of comical. I'd encourage you to go study it out a little bit. But we also need to know that it was by inspiration of the Holy Spirit. And so these words are not there by accident. Here's what the Lord wants us to know. I think one of the thoughts that we can take away from just this verse is in the moment, Peter said something. Maybe he didn't know what to say, but he said something before thinking about it. Now, here's the thought I wanna give to you. You and I, we should think about what we say to each other but I really thought about this for Dennis Fountain. Do you know what I often do? I often don't think before I speak to the Lord. How many times have you accused God of something and then afterwards went, oh God, I'm sorry, I didn't mean that. How many times have you made a commitment to God about something that you didn't mean? God, I promise, if you get me out of this, God, listen, God, if you get me out of this, I promise I will fill in the blank. Really? Will you? God, get me out of this financial bind and I promise I'll give half of my income to you. Really? God, I promise if you, I'll never do that with them. God, I promise. We don't think before we speak. So here's kind of the quick thought I had as I was reading this. God, help me to not pull a Peter in my life 
where I speak and then think. God, every commitment I make to you, every decision I make, help me to stop. And think about the seriousness of my commitment to the Lord. All right, those are the quick two lessons. Now let's jump back in real fast for these thoughts about tuning in to the Lord. And that's our third lesson, and that's this. The voice of the Lord, it should be my most important influence in life. When Peter said, let's build a tabernacle to Moses, Elijah, and Jesus, the Bible tells us that the voice of God appeared in the next moment. The voice of God through a cloud came and said, this is my beloved son, hear him. The phrase hear him, it means give complete attention to or understanding to, give audience to. Do you know what Peter was doing? Peter was elevating Moses and Elijah on the same playing field as Jesus, and God corrected them in that moment and said no. God corrected Peter in that moment and said, hey, listen, Jesus is the only voice that you should be listening to. Hear him, tune in to him. And then what do you read? You read that Jesus was found alone. I don't have the time to really dive into all of this, but I think it's interesting how God corrected Peter. He didn't tell Peter, hey, Peter, Moses and Elijah are horrible people. You shouldn't listen to them. No, they, Moses represents the law for the Hebrew people. Peter or Elijah represented the prophet, uh, prophets for the Hebrew people. They're, they're good people in Hebrew heritage. They're good people in our heritage. I mean, we look and we, we read about the prophets and we read about the law. We read about Genesis through Deuteronomy and Moses and God giving that in the book of Exodus and all of the commands that are given in the book of Deuteronomy. We read that and we learn and all these things are, are good for us in there. But here's what happens. Listen, all too often in our Christian life, we elevate other influences to the same input as Jesus. And that's when God says to us, wrong. He should be the main influence. You know, what we do in life is at times we, we allow the voice of culture to speak into our life. We allow Family, we put family as an equal influence. We put our job as an equal influence. We put our friendships as an equal influence. And we need to recognize that Jesus stands alone. Even Jesus said it this way when, I mean, thinking about the law and the prophets, here's what Jesus said in John chapter five and verse number 39. He said this, search the scriptures. All right, let's go back to the Old Testament. Search the scriptures because in them, you think you have eternal life, but they are they which testify of me. You know what Jesus was saying? Jesus was saying that everything, everything from Genesis, for us, from Genesis to Revelation, it all points to Jesus. The law pointed to a need for the Savior. The prophets pointed to the coming Savior. The New Testament points about the grace of the Savior. Jesus said, hey, you think that the scriptures hold the life, but they are they which speak of me. Jesus actually said this too, when we think about the law and the prophets, Matthew 5, 17, he said, think not that I am come to destroy the law or the prophets. I am not come to destroy, but to fulfill. 
I haven't come to destroy the law, but I have come to fulfill it. Hey, Jesus Christ, when he came, he came declaring, I am what everybody else has been speaking about. And God on this day said, I want Jesus to be your main influence. I want Jesus to be the voice that speaks into your life. And the fact is this, that Jesus should be my main influence. And while a family is good, can I tell you your family? Listen, hey, parents, your family should not dictate the direction of your life. Family is a good thing, but they shouldn't dictate it. Marriage is a great thing, but your marriage shouldn't dictate the direction of your life. No, the the Lord, through his word and his spirit, should dictate the direction of your life. Hey, working a job, that is a good thing. But your job should not dominate and be the main influence in your life. The Lord should. Can I tell you, church, church is important. Every Christian should be a part of church. Every Christian should. But the church and the pastor should not be the main influence in your life. That's why every week I will get up and say, let's open our Bibles. Let's look at scripture. That's why as we think about our outreach and as we think about uh, the, the kids ministry and, and, uh, and uh, um, uh, my mind just went blank on the ministries of our church, uh, all the ministries of our church, like when we think about why are we doing, why do the ushers usher and the greeters greet and the hospitality, hospitality, why do we do these things? It's because we want people to know him. We want to point to him. We want to honor him. It's not to elevate the church to be the main influence in my life. It's to say he is the influence in my life. So Jesus should be my main influence. And the last thought I have for us this morning is this, and don't miss it today. Experiences are not the goal. Consistent growth is. Now you say, Pastor, what, what's that have to do with this passage? As we look at this passage, and again, I ask the question, how many of you would want to be there? We'd say, man, I, I wish I could be there. The voice of, the, of God comes and says, Jesus should be the main influence in life, and there is Jesus standing alone. But for this thought, I want us to go to the book of 2 Peter. In 2 Peter chapter number one, Peter actually recounts this story. And here's what Peter says. 2 Peter chapter one, here's the verses. Peter's about to, his life's about to end. And he writes, moreover, I endeavor that you may be able after my decease to have these things always in remembrance. Peter's writing and saying, listen, I want you, my readers, to know that when I die, you can, you can stand on what has been said and believe. I want you to know that this is true. And then he says, because we have not followed cunningly devised fables, things that have been made up. We, we didn't follow those when we made known unto you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. But listen, we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. And we received from God the Father honor and glory. When there came such a voice to him from the excellent glory saying, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. And this voice which came from heaven, this is Peter writing, this voice which came from heaven, we heard when we were with him on the holy mount. 
Do you know what Peter is saying? He is saying, hey, listen, I had an absolutely amazing experience. Jesus is the son of God. I heard the audible voice from heaven saying, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Hear him. Peter is recounting an incredible experience. But notice what he says next. We have also a more sure word of prophecy. What what is that? Peter says, my experience was great, but let me give you something better than the experience. It's the more sure word of prophecy, whereunto you do well that you take heed as unto a light that shineth in a dark place until the day, day dawn and the day star arise in your hearts. Okay, what is the sure word of prophecy? Peter explains, knowing this first, that no prophecy of the scripture, oh, is of any private interpretation. For the prophecy came not in old time by the will of men, but holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. Do you know what Peter says? And if you were to go and you were to read 2 Peter chapter 3 and verse number 18, Peter closes this out. Here's what Peter is helping us understand. Experiences are good. Peter's like, I had an experience. I was on the Mount of Transfiguration. I experienced something incredible. But that is not what I strive for. Peter will write in 2 Peter chapter 3, verse number 18, his last words that we have written down before his death, but grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Do you know what Peter wrote about through the book of 2 Peter? He wrote about the voice of God through scripture. Here's what Peter said. My experience was incredible. I believe that he's the son of God because I saw that experience, but... Even more than that, I believe he's the son of God because he told me that in his word. I think Peter understood when God said, this is my son, hear him. So this is where we come this morning to say this, that as a follower of God, we must pursue consistent growth with Jesus, not just an experience from Jesus. I'm afraid that all too often in the Christian life, we try to go from experience to experience. Wow, what a service today. Man, oh, that, oh, the the music was just so helpful today. Oh, I was so encouraged by so-and-so today. Oh, it was such a good sermon. Well, the sermon was okay, but oh, it was just, and we go, we, here's what I'm getting at. We go to the experience rather than to the Jesus that wants to meet us in the moments. And here's what I'll tell you in your Christian life. Experiences are good, but the small moments with Jesus are where life change really happen. So where is your influence coming from? Are you striving for experience to experience? Are you allowing the voices of people and family and hobbies to be elevated to the same level as God? Or are you one to say, man, God, I, experiences are good, but I just want to see you through your word. Because the fact is that experiences, they will come and go. They will come and go, but the word of God will remain steadfast. And experiences cannot accomplish what the word of God is meant to accomplish. 
You see, here's what happened when Jesus died on the cross, was buried, rose again, and when he ascended up to heaven, he actually said in the book of John in chapter number 15, nevertheless, it is expedient that I go away because if I go not, then the Holy Spirit will not come unto you, but I will send unto you the comforter. And when the comforter has come, he will reveal to you truth and justice. He will reveal to you who I am. He will make known to you what I say. And if you know the Lord Jesus Christ, listen, I, I like what Joseph Wicks said last week when he talked about being an elementary and a bottom shelf type of Christian. That's where I like to live. The bottom shelf, my house, the cereal is not up high, it's down low. All kids are welcome. You can eat cereal at my house all day. Okay, I was just seeing if I made any friends. You know the bottom shelf of the Christian life? We overcomplicate the Christian life. The bottom shelf of the Christian life is every day. Every day, God wants a relationship and interaction with you through his word and his Holy Spirit speaking into your life. And see, what God likes to do is God likes to change people over time through his Holy Spirit speaking into us and using his word to direct us. So it's a simple thought today. And that thought is this week, will you choose to tune into the right station? What is the right station? It's the word of God and the spirit of God given freedom in my life. God, I desire for you to work in me. God, would you teach me this week? Every time, every time you open up the Bible, ask the Lord to show you himself. Every time you open up scripture, ask the Lord, Jesus, show me you today. And it, it, you don't have to read 25 chapters, just a few verses. God, show me you today. And as you go a day, throughout your business in the days this week, would you pray, God, help your spirit to lead my conversation this week. God, lead, God, lead my, my, my relationship with my spouse and my kids today. God, help me at work today. And may we as Christians recognize it's not about the experiences, it's about tuning in to the right station during the moments of the day. And so my question to you, will you choose to tune in this week? This week, this is his beloved son, Jesus. Hear him.